Welcome to this MTech Access podcast. At MTech Access, we offer a complete global market access service from strategy through to implementation. In the UK, all our work is underpinned by authentic NHS insights. Our in-house experts work closely with a national network of associates who occupy strategic, operational and clinical roles within the NHS. Leaders in their field, their knowledge and experience helps MTech Access to be as close to the front line of care delivery as possible. To support our clients through the COVID-19 crisis and beyond, we launched this webinar series. Each week, we bring together two experts from the NHS to briefly present what is going on in their part of the health service. We have now converted this series into a podcast, so you can listen in as and when you like. Please subscribe to the podcast or follow our LinkedIn company page for more information. Good afternoon, everybody, and uh, welcome back to our latest in our series of COVID weekly updates. Um, we're entering the, the home stretch of our COVID webinars as we're entering a new phase in the world. So we've got a few uh, really impactful sessions lined up for you, hopefully. Uh, next week, we're joined by Jim Easton, the Chief Executive of Care UK, talking about the role of the private sector in the NHS going forward. But today, we're very lucky to have with us Stephen Bork, who's a co-founder of ECHO, the online pharmacy. Um, nicely branded t-shirt, in case you forget. Um, and Stephen's really going to have a chat with me about kind of the role of tech and, and how they've responded to COVID and, and I suppose a bit about what that might mean for healthcare going forward in, in the new world that we've we've touched on previously, really, about how, how things are changing. So, welcome, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for can having me, just, Tom. No worries. Good to have you here. Can you, can you just give us a very potted history of sort of where Echo came from and what Echo does? Sure. So Echo is a pharmacy, um, a digital first pharmacy that uh, I co-founded uh, back in 2015. Um, the background is I've taken medicine for one thing or another uh, my entire life uh, and found just the process of managing medicine, getting medicine, dealing with the GP, dealing with the pharmacy, to be a massive chore. Um, I was working uh, up until 2014 for an online doctor service where we were doing private prescribing and pharmacy and thought, why can't we do this for NHS meds? Why can't we bring technology and convenience to primary care? So it's all good and well doing Viagra, but why can't we do it for a tour of a statin and cancer meds and so forth. So my co-founder and I uh, quit our jobs, uh, both sort of patients trying to solve a problem, a very personal problem, make our lives easier. Um, and that's when Echo was born. Uh, we went through the the whole VC roller coaster, raising money, um, moving from point to point. And then last year we um, sold a majority stake of the company to McKesson, owner of Lloyd's Pharmacy in uh, the UK, uh, but you know, remain a, an independent um, company. We um, uh, are the second largest pharmacy in the country now, so we've got about 250,000 nominated patients, um, and we're the fastest growing, so we've been adding about sort of 6,000 to 10,000 a week, um, pretty much steadily since March. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's it, I mean, it's just been bonkers. Um, <laughs> lockdown, COVID, but, you know, what's really interesting to me is, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking hard about it is ourselves and our, our main, um, I guess, our, our biggest competitors, pharmacy to you, 
Um, there's a couple of others. Well has a, has a large online pharmacy. Um, Boots has an emerging online pharmacy as well. But you know, combined as a, as a category, we still have less than 2.5% market share. So although growth has been, you know, um, impressive, and you know, we, we we like to joke internally, it takes us four years to get to 100,000 patients and four weeks to get to 200,000. Um, we are still collectively a you know a rounding error on the national nominations, um, and it's really interesting during lockdown. You know, great growth has been fantastic, but been thinking long and hard about um, what we provide as a category, lack of understanding of that. And the opportunity, uh, particularly, you know, regardless of the next wave, but you know, just in terms of sort of the unit economics and costs that we provide, and the you know the potential benefits uh, to health that you know this thing, smartphone can, can, uh, can provide as well. It's really interesting. So after the initial um, explosion of lockdown, um, you know, we're now trying to reflect and think about how do we better describe this category which you know, gets lumped into online pharmacy, but frankly, online pharmacy is Viagra and sleeping tablets to a lot of people. Um, they don't want to trust it with essential medicines. Um, and from Echo's perspective, you know, we, we work very closely with, um, with uh, the NHS, with NHSX. I'm a, an NHS innovation fellow. Um, and yet still there's this, I think, you know, mistrust around the category. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's been super interesting. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into some of that. I mean, obviously, the the you know the the growth for you sounds pretty exponential. How soon did you sense that Echo was going to have a big role to play in in COVID? Sixteenth uh, of March. <laughs> so uh, that was our kind of our D-Day moment. Um, so uh, over that weekend, um, starting with the Chancellor's message. And then leading up to the 23rd, we just saw we saw two things happening. One, it was our existing patient base ordering medicines um, quite desperately, you know, quite urgently. Um, so um, there was a lot of demand there, and then um, um, a lot of new signups from from patients looking for a solution. So um, to to the fact that we actually had to um, introduce a waiting list um, to ensure that we can you know properly uh, service our existing patients so yeah i mean from the from the 16th um onward things um really got quite intense as a you know as a, as a company we went from one shift a day one shift a day five five days a week to operating 24 7 so three shifts wow. um every day uh we hired i think another 140 staff um you know very very quickly and all of this is, of course, trying to do it uh, under lockdown um, <laughs> and trying to like, you know, f f f figure out the lay of the land, protecting your own staff, making sure that, you know, you have the right um, equipment and policies and um, trying to onboard um, new team members, um, trying to instill them with, you know, um, what we think is important around patient safety and privacy and so on and so forth. But handling um, a huge amount of uh, demand from from existing and new patients and um, yeah really moving from sort of uh, thinking of yourself as a, a scale-up to thinking of yourself as an essential NHS service and how many people that we can help uh, and you know we know every order that goes out the door at Echo is one less travel journey it's it's mm -hmm. one last you know visit to the pharmacy one last visit to the GP 
um, where there's infection risks. I think the other thing that we saw that was really interesting was a massive um, growth in our average patient age. So before uh, lockdown, typically ECHO would attract 43-year-olds. That's the it's kind of the average age. Um, and that went up to 63 quite quickly. Um, it's still hovering at around 50. Um, so we just have a much, you know, older demographic now who have different is, needs. Is that the whole distribution shifting or is it? Yeah, the, the, whole, the, the, whole, the whole thing. I think it's, it's you know, it's it, just the necessity is there and, and suddenly people are, are, are looking for ways to, to get medicines delivered efficiently. Um, so, um, but from our perspective, um, it's, it's, it's put pressure on, on uh, our patient care teams, it's, it's put pressure on um, our design things, you know, the design teams, you know, I need to think about how we, we serve this older demographic, um, how we make things clearer, um, because, I mean, Echo, when we founded it, it was two 32-year-old guys, and we built the product for that. Now, we have evolved significantly since then, but we still, you know, our designers are in their 20s, our, our product teams, you know, we're a young, young team, and actually a lot of our patients um, have uh, different instinctive needs than, than, than what we think is obvious. And, you know, that is, even with a full-time research team and, you know, having spent a lot of time um, trying to understand how to better serve, there's just instinctive stuff that comes when you're using a product um, for yourself versus designing it for, for a different population that um, we, we're having to learn, we're having to adapt. And, um, and so, yeah. in terms of the, in terms of the sort of the, the I suppose the highly pressurised environment, we, we've heard a lot. We've we've done a few few of these with various people from around the NHS talking about the, the pressured environment and the uh, the need to innovate. And I suppose the the uh, less or the improving of the risk appetite, as it were, to to innovate quickly. Um, something long long needed within the NHS. How does that resonate with you? Because obviously you, you you're you've got huge amounts of uh, like you, like you mentioned, pay, patient safety uh, considerations, etc. How yeah. have you managed all of that? Um, I think it's uh, it's been relatively straightforward for us. We we have a process of how we do things. We have standard uh, operating procedures that didn't change um, under COVID. I think one interesting challenge is, is how do you uh, maintain social distancing within a, a warehouse pharmacy setting? Um, so a lot of you know. Um, um, the senior team uh, who are based in our warehouse, um, a lot of their focus was was, was supporting the team um, and and then recruiting sufficient people. Um, but the, the the operating procedure is largely the same. You know, get prescription, dispense medicines. It has to the legal framework for doing that that hasn't changed. I think um, um, the um, uh, I mean the pressure was was significant. Um, as a team, we we worked just bonkers hours, and it really took its toll. I think on our on our, on our mental and physical well-being. Um, it was it was it was quite intense, and it was again a you know a huge sense of mission and purpose. With trying to balance that with um, you know um, not burning out, uh, not hitting a wall. Um, but uh, it's been good. I mean. Uh, I was I was looking today at um, our turnaround times for medicine. So when a patient places an order for when it gets delivered, and now um, weirdly thanks to COVID, we are faster by a day and a half. 
So I think on average, when you order and to when you receive medicine from Echo takes three days. So that includes the GP time and the Royal Mail time and so on and so forth. Um, uh, and that was, you know, typically four to five days before. So we have, uh, we've become battle hardened and we know how to do things more efficiently. And we made more decisions um, over the period than, than certainly um, you, you normally would uh, for mm. right or wrong. And um, that has, um, that has just paid dividends in, in just our overall operating, um, uh, you know, how we, how we run the company today, even, even without that um, uh, huge lockdown pressure. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that, that's a really interesting point because you, um, you know, referenced sort of the NHS culture previously and how they've had to adapt. Obviously you're coming from a, uh, forgive me if it's the wrong term, from a startup culture, um, which stereotypically is very quick decision-making, you know, things turn around really quickly. Have you, and then you kind of alluded to it there, have you noticed changes in your culture through having to work in different ways? Yeah, I think, um, I think, you know, the, from the outside in, startup culture does look really fast, but actually it can, it can be stymied by the exact same problems um, as, as, as a, a big business. Um, the, um, the, you know, from Echo, from when we started in 2015, has grown to 240 people. And um, with that, you have, you know, layers of, of management, you have, you know, ways of doing things. You have to do things in a scalable way. You can't just go, hey, let's go and do that. Um, so what was interesting, I think, about lockdown was, my impression is, is we, we kind of went back to our roots a little bit. Um, it was much more about sort of problems to be fixed, fires to be put out, as opposed to some of the more incremental longer term gains that you focus on as you're scaling up. Um, and um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting to see again, um, people in the company who are very startup-y, um, how they responded to it, uh, because it was, yeah, it was back to, back to the other days. I mean, in the first few years of a startup, every Every problem is an is an existential problem. So um, you run out of cash. You have to do fundraising. You develop a product, and then you realize it doesn't work. All of these things can just kill the company overnight. Um, and um, you, when when you're in a scale up phase, and you know you move away from that uh, firefighting panic to more iterative, um, more iterative process, and that has to happen. By the way, I'm not saying it's a it's 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 uh, not preferable. It is definitely preferable, but COVID brought us back to that, uh, back to the roots, um, which, uh, yeah, remi remi reminded me how stressful it was back in the early days. Yeah, well, I'm hoping you're seeing a seeing a way past that as well. So most of our audience work for sort of larger healthcare companies, pharma and med devices and, and tech companies. Um, what do you think think might be some of the transferable learnings from from your experience in terms of innovating changing practice um, improving patient care ultimately um well i think what uh, my old colleague uh used to say to me which definitely rings true particularly during this period is more is lost to indecision than the wrong decision so so just do it um, I, I used to work uh, for a large corporate. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll 
Yes, who it is. Um, and I spent a lot of time there writing business cases to validate points made by senior people. Um, you can always make a business case to say whatever you want it to say. Um, you know, it's built on assumptions ultimately, and unless you can time travel, um, you're going to be guessing. So um, I think uh, analysis paralysis, spending time thinking about should we, shouldn't we. Um, we didn't have that luxury during lockdown, um, and it freed us from a lot of meetings. So um, I think um, you know what I'm trying to get in my head now is is how do we retain the best part of that culture. Um, it's also not necessarily the best way to run everything, um, you know, and just say, well, you know, let's not analyze things. I do think there is a role for it, but certainly um, just making decisions and going with it, you can always correct course down the line. You know, it doesn't have to be the end of the, the discussion, but um, waiting, waiting for perfect conditions and, you know, for your strategy slides to align so that Every every Venn diagram comes to the same middle point. It's a complete waste of time, and um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a complete false sense of um, uh, ROI um, versus you know having a hypothesis, test it, then push something out to the market and, and see if it works. Mm. Um, so that I mean that's that's the, that's the main thing, and certainly at Echo it felt that we got much more back to that way of working. It's like we have this problem, now we need to go and fix it. Is it the perfect fix? Probably not, but we do need to fix this. And then we can iterate and go and go and go. Um, so I think, you know, there is a tendency in, in, in corporate world uh, to just avoid risk um, because uh, it is an incremental um, incremental gains culture, which kind of is a factor of the, of the, of the, of the size of these companies. Um, and the, the the challenge is if you avoid risk, then you also avoid the potential returns. Mm. So when I see corporates trying to innovate and they talk about, well, you know, we want to become more agile, we want to become like a startup. They have to also remember that most startups fail and they have to be prepared to fail and for what that means for them as individuals and their careers and also for them, um, you know, for the company as well. Um, but generally speaking, now, when you look at some big bold bets made by companies, when they're when they when the company is properly committed to making it happen, um, it tends to work just by default. So, uh, yeah, yeah, take some bets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what you're seeing in your capacity as an innovation fellow as well with the NHS, are you seeing a, that kind of thinking culture coming more into the NHS? Is there a receptiveness to it? I think there's, there's lots of talk around. But is it? Is yeah. It um, I think um, I'm seeing lots of talk. Um, I'm seeing. I think. I think pharmacy is really heavily regulated. And I was talking to a, a colleague at NHS um, last week about how weirdly it's one of the most regulated um, elements of healthcare. Um, so um, we've had lots and lots of conversations with people um, across the NHS over the past month, um, all of whom are super um, supportive, want to get stuff done, want to change, um, see the opportunity to, you know, use technology like ours and others to um, transform just, you know, primary care. How, how, what is the new normal? Um, and, but uh, come up against the old challenges um, around contractual frameworks, 
this is how we do things vested interests within the system that make it um make it difficult for them so you know i guess expecting it to change quickly even under COVID, is is, is a lot um it feels like it's going in the right direction but um you have um lots of i think you know uh good opportunities um that require risks that require someone to stick their neck out and it's it's hard to do that with so many other things going on you know it's every time they launch something um you know they get so much grief from the press now every every initiative that gets pushed out it's like oh again it's it's not perfect therefore it's wrong you know it's yeah. i mean we're going to see it with the contact tracing app we're going to see it everything they're under so much scrutiny it's a really really tough gig i think um for for the team there and so we're all on the same side but i think they've they've got a really tough task and they're they're trying to shift cultures uh, embedded not just at skimpton house and at the department of health but in every community every gp surgery every pharmacy and that's hard and i don't think that covid unfortunately uh doesn't feel like it's been enough to to unlock some of those uh cultural changes but that, that, that's an interesting point so my, my next question I, I suppose was going to be around kind of that cultural thing and, and in other parts of the nhs we've heard that you know people feel this is a bit of a tipping point in, in care delivery and particularly around integration and delegated responsibilities and um, those sorts of things do you see this as a tipping point in, in care delivery um i don't think a tipping not not within a pharmacy context unfortunately i've seen some really cool stuff happening with regards to for instance gp consultations uh digitization of that which definitely you know definitely could be considered a tipping point um but within pharmacy um um no um i, I think i think um more is required um and uh the it's just it's just really really hard to, to make change there but it is going in the right direction so it does feel very positive i mean you know, the, the growth is there the solutions are there but what i see uh, ourselves and our, and, our, and our direct competitors i see us having a really really good solution for lots of patients who are looking to self-isolate mm. i see it as a good solution for people who struggle to get to the pharmacy even when um you know, uh, pre pre lockdown, um, but um, the uh, the market is still confused. Patients are getting mixed messages. I mean, if you type in, for instance, go onto Google right now and type in buying medicines online. The first link after a whole bunch of ads trying to sell you Viagra. The first organic link is the NHS, uh, who have a web page saying dangers of buying drugs online. Okay. <laughs> very hard when you read that and you think about how important your medicine is to you and to your life mm. to then go oh okay uh should i kind of what's the difference between echo and one of these services so there's a lot of opportunity but there's also a lot of um, pushback um we'll get there but i don't think this has been the tipping uh point for for, okay. for pharmacy yet yeah no, that's, that's really interesting. And I suppose from across, you're, you're really well connected to, you know, other people in in your sort of tech world. Again, forgive my naive uh, language there, but what's kind of the, the best of the rest? What have you seen that's really come to the fore? Um, over the last uh, I mean, there's no way that I can't mention Acurix. Um, mm, yeah. So, uh, you know, Jacob and his team there have, um, I think, been the, the superstars of uh, 
COVID. Um, got 93% of GP practices uh, using the technology. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, really exciting to see the journey that they're on now. They're going, to, they, they are going through proper tipping point growth. Um, yeah. And um, it will be exciting to see, you know, what they do and how they innovate uh, within a space that, you know, has, has two um, big uh, old school providers. Well, not old school providers, but, you know, like, mm. The, the dominant names and then you've got a new a new force that's come in so um it'd be interesting to see how they shake things up and also how they're inspiring um others in the system so definitely i think um they're super interesting and um, another um you know one that i'm really interested in is is my gp so the iPlato team um who you know uh full disclosure we have a partnership with but being able to see how their app and service has been deployed in new settings during COVID to see their growth again as a patient portal for ordering prescriptions, uh, booking appointments, and really lots of the exciting things that they're doing um, uh, to, to um, help with uh, care pathways. But um, yeah, I mean, Acurex Ac are, are smashing it um, at the moment. So uh, yeah, we'll, fun we'll times. We'll, we'll, we'll get them to send you a check for that later. Um, <laughs> they so don't need the money. They, like, honestly, they... <laughs> fair enough. We'll get them to send you the check. Um, what 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 are the um, risks? Do you think in the digital healthcare world going forward? I think um, you know. Uh, so there's a few different things that I think about when I think about the digitization. So one is you know, a common thing to bring up, but it's it's uh, privacy and data concerns. And how do we continue um, uh, advancing uh, from a tech perspective without um, falling foul? I mean, mistakes happen by default. No product ever gets shipped without a bug. Um, and so we have to be able to balance the, the need for uh, progress um, and, you know, evolution of tech against the you know potential risk of um uh data breaches and so forth so getting that balance right i think is really tough um and um yeah we just we we, we need to look at the bigger picture here so that's kind of the one i think the obvious one the less obvious one for me is um the social interaction uh and and human aspect of primary care so Community pharmacy is an example. Many, many people go to the community pharmacy um, and enjoy going in there as part of their, you know, their their their, their weekly regime uh, because they like talking to someone. They like having that interaction. Um, they like uh, the human connection, and it's hard to replicate that online. Um, you know, we're sat here, Tom, talking over the internet, and it's great. I can see you clearly, but I think you know. We would have a deeper connection if we were, you know, sat together drinking a coffee face to face. And one of my concerns about, you know, the march towards online services is what happens to those people who rely on um, uh, primary care um, for their, you know, their their weekly dose of uh, human contact. Um, yeah. Isolation in the over 65s is a huge problem. I think it's something like half of all over 65s. Um, see the TV or their pet as their main source of companionship. Um, and so by removing a lot of these um, these face-to-face -face interactions, be it through Echo, be it through 
an online doctor service, we, we're cutting that off. And it feels like someone's somewhere in the system, we're going to have to pick up that slack. Um, mm. And um, that's the reason why when people talk about online pharmacy versus offline, I always say, no, it's not about that. It's not about a all or nothing scenario. It has to be a hybrid model. It has to be something that takes into account the patient experience from, you know, being a feckless 30 something who just wants medicines delivered because I'm too lazy to, uh, you know, down the line needing the, the, the care attention and services of a face-to-face -face community pharmacy. And I think that, so again, we need to try and build a hybrid model here or else we're gonna, you know, create a new set of problems um, yeah, for yeah. society down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's a fantastic sort of human perspective because I think probably everyone thinks everything's gonna be digital and, and, and things will change. So that's really, really good to hear. Uh, we, we've just got sort of a minute left. So, I just wonder if you can sort of summarise, what advice would you give anyone looking to uh, design some sort of digital health innovation? What's your, don't what's work, your for, legacy don't work for a bank. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think um, the, the main thing is, um, you know, the startup world is seen as, as, you know, as we touched on before, as being super agile. Because of the patient safety and privacy concerns, Healthcare is, it's, it's just harder to launch a product as a sort of an alpha, you know, oh, let's build something, stick it on the app store and see what happens. So um, you need more investment. You need to take more time to get there as well. So, so you need to give yourself a longer runway um, because, you know, just, just, you know, trying to get your head around uh, what data needs to be retained on the GDPR um, depending on the different data sets is, is, is a huge task. So, um, you know, I always advise that, you know, if you're going to go into digital health, tenacity is, is probably the main thing. Um, and then the second most important aspect for me is, is working with others, um, be it your competitors, be it your, um, be it your um, 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 you know, people in adjacency, be it people in the NHS. Um, it's a huge market. And I've, I've had some of the best advice and coaching from uh, um, uh, some of the guys uh, in the in my competitor pharmacies. So you know, I would name uh, Andrew at the co-op as, as as one of the you know my go-to guys. Even though we're both going after the same market. Mm. Similarly, you know, when things got very tough over um, over um, COVID, I reached out to Mark Livingston, who you know uh, he's more experienced and he was able to give me some really good sage advice. And um, so you know, healthcare. Healthcare is just different. It's not e-commerce. We have to work together um, mm. because the, you know, yes, there is potential financial prizes, but really the real prize here is, is, is finding a way to sustain free access to healthcare in an aging society. And digital yeah. is the only way we're going to do that. It, it really is. It's the only way or else we'll move to a private model, which will, 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 will leave people behind. And, and I really, really you know, believe like working together with, with everyone in that ecosystem is, is super important. Fantastic. I, I think that's a cracking lesson to, to end on as well. And probably there's a lot of us that could learn from that sort of collaborative mindset. So uh, I think we're out of time now. So thank you, Stephen, very much for joining us today.
Uh, hopefully everyone at home enjoyed that as well. Uh, really insightful, I thought. Uh, next week, we are going to be an hour earlier at one o'clock uh, to fit around Jim Easton's diary. He's the chief executive of Care UK. And he's going to talk to us about all the elements of private health care, including care homes, prisons, uh, all the various things they do, as well as private hospitals and, and uh, other services. So join us next week, one o'clock. Uh, and thanks again to Stephen. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe for future episodes. If you'd like to find out more about our work with the NHS or how we can support your market access strategy, please email info at mtechaccess.co.uk.